This is Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Latalis and your host. I want to thank you all for listening to this show here today. The recording of the show is December 16th, 2020. And a very fun show here today. Um, have a, a special guest you're going to hear momentarily um, pretty, you know, in a minute. Uh, Dusty Everly. Um, joined the show and talked Packers-Lions, a little bit Packers-Panthers, and then Packers offense in comparison to this year and last year. Fun talking to him. I appreciate him, uh, Dusty, coming on and spending some time with me this evening. Uh, it was a fun conversation, and I hope to have him on again soon. After the interview with Dusty, you have uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the MVP, give my Packer and Panther prediction. Um and Giannis, he signed a Supermax. Everyone's saying he wasn't, and he did. So I'm going to give my thoughts on that, and I, I hope you enjoy the show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Evan with Sports. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan. Um, and then this the show, as always, is brought to you by uh, Coach Evan Fitness. If you're looking to make some changes, uh, healthy lifestyle changes, Coming up uh, in the new year, let me know, CoachEvan66 at gmail.com. I'm doing a program currently called Over the Edge, and it's a great program. I love it, and I think you would love it too. Um, if you want more information on that, shoot me an email. Um, January 4th, I will be starting a challenge group with the creator of Over the Edge, Chris Downing, and I would love to invite you to join me as well. All you got to do is shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com. I'm about a week and a half into the program right now myself, and I feel stronger physically, emotionally, mentally. And I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I just feel great and I want to help. You know, I think you would do the same. So coachevan66 at gmail.com. Without further ado, here is the interview with uh, Dusty Everly. Hope you'll enjoy it. So this time for Talking Sports with Evan, I'd like to bring in uh, Dusty Evely. Um, Nailed it. For, <laughs> uh, bringing him on because I'm kind of curious for, you know, he, he watches a lot more film than I do. I just started, you know, kind of watching film on games this season and something I wish I would have started sooner. Uh, but I'm kind of new to the trade and kind of want to get, you know, brought up, want to get your thoughts on, you know, the Packers offense in comparison to this year, last year, compare and contrast, you know, you notice anything differently. What are the biggest differences? Um, but before we do go into that, can you just want to take a couple of minutes to let my listeners uh, know uh, kind of a little bit like, you know, who you are and your, who you contribute to and uh, whatnot. Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Dusty. Uh, I've been, uh, been doing this Packers thing. I've been Packers for my whole life. I've been writing since, um, I think really since they released the all 22 stuff, which was uh, 2013, 2012, 2013. I always forget when they, when they did that, it was kind of a black box thing. And so as someone who had, you know, followed sports and followed football my whole life, it was kind of one of those, how'd that guy get open? That's kind of how it started. I was kind of interested, like what, what leads to these things. So kind of started digging into the film a little then, and just, it's been what, seven years now or something. So I've just been kind of rolling with that. It's been, uh, been a fun little ride. I've, I've definitely, made my stops along the way, but, uh, yeah, I'm now with, uh, uh, mainly, you know, during the season, she's had a couple of reports a week on Packer report and then uh, weekly podcasts over at uh packet a podcast as well. So every now and then I'll drop a, drop a little video. If I feel like 
uh, talking over over a play. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've done that, but yeah, I keep myself <laughs> keep myself busy during the season. I'm... Yeah, I I definitely know that feeling. I <laughs> seem like I'm going all the time, and yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, so, quick thoughts on the Packers' victory over uh, over Detroit. Um, obviously, a game got much closer at the end than it needed to. But what are some key factors in that game, Tia? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I had this theory from from last year, from like week seven game against the Lions last year that the Packers were using that game and perhaps just Lions games in general as a way to kind of uh, tweak tune up a little um but I know against the Lions last year in week 17 it was this uh just bombs away I think more deep passes than they attempted all year in that Lions game and this year uh this this week was a lot of um they so they've been, they they set up their core concepts early and then they started doing this like they set up their variations they start doing those like the the my favorite example from recently was the the Tunyon touchdown against um Chicago, which was kind of a, a play action boot variation. Well, then against the Lions, it seemed like what they were doing is they're starting to throw wrinkles in those variations. So probably stuff at this point, they haven't practiced a whole lot because you've got you're, 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 you know, two or three degrees removed from that core concept. You practice the core concept, you run that, you've got your main variations. Well, now you're adding wrinkles. So some of that, I mean, I mean, offensively, I think they look good, you know, sputtered a little, They, but I think they did uh, did good overall, just a lot of long drives. So fewer, They, I think they've been averaging – uh, shade over nine drives a game and against the lions, they were at seven drives. And so you miss out on those two. You don't have those points, but I mean, for the most part, I think they look good. You know, defense came up with a couple decently big plays. The savage sack before the half was a big one. I know that kind of knocked the lions out of potential field goal position, definitely closer than it should have been. You had the, the long special teams return, which is a weekly occurrence now, but I mean, it was, it was kind of one of those, they were in control the entire game. I felt comfortable watching the entire game. And then you look up with five minutes left and go, Oh man, the Lions actually have a shot at this. So uh, it, it felt like a weird game, but it felt like one they were in complete control of regardless of what that score showed. <laughs> well, wasn't the Lions, it, you know, I, I don't know there's any other word to describe this side weird. Cause it seems like every time they play Detroit, <laughs> weird happens. Like yeah. they, the hail Mary five years ago with Richard Rogers and, you know, like, what, what three, four games in a row, the Packers never led the entire game, but still ended up getting the win. So yep. weird things tend to happen with Detroit. Um, you brought up special teams. You brought up defense. So defense can be very Jekyll and Hyde, especially seems like the first series of every game, they always give up a big drive, which I've basically come to accept it. Mm-hmm. And then special teams, other than Crosby's uh, field goal kicking, um, and I bring extra points up too, because I know he missed, what, two games yeah. in a row, he missed one. Yeah. Um, they seem to be every season, special teams wise, they seem to struggle. Why do, for, first for special teams, why do you think that is? Like why is special teams such a struggle for Green Bay? I think it's it's easy to throw it on the coaching, which I mean there there I think to some extent I think there is that, but to have whatever three or four terrible special teams coaches in a row at the very least now is a bit much. Um I mean it some of it's um Maybe who you have out there. I mean, especially well, we've seen it for a while, I guess. You know, Gudikin's been churning the bottom of the roster. You got guys in, they maybe haven't been there for a while. And so some of that bottom of the roster depth, you also there's not a whole lot of like top end roster guys on there. I mean, we had Jamal Williams uh returning, put some quotes around that, returning kicks uh this past week when really the the objective was just have it go into the end zone and don't take it out unless you have to kind of had the, uh, I wanted to see, I want to see him take one out kind of the Najee Davenport, like big man kind of getting up and, and rolling a bit on that kick return. But I mean, some of that, some of it, I think is personnel. Some of it's a little coaching. Some of it's just, I mean, 
the stuff with special teams, kick returns, pump returns, it's like the lane integrity is, is essential to that stuff. And you get one or two guys out and suddenly everyone's shoved and you've got a lane going. And so, I mean, some of that I think is guys maybe a little confused, maybe not knowing their role, whether they're coaching or just kind of throwing guys out there. And some of it is just, I think some of the personnel they have, some of that bottom of the roster depth maybe isn't, isn't the, uh, the best depth there. They don't have a whole lot of high end guys on there. I mean, when they were, I mean, they weren't even good, for a while, but you also had you when you had say Janice or, or if you want to go back further, like Jared Bush, kind of those special team aces that could make a play that you knew you could count on those guys doing something. I don't really know they have a whole lot of those guys at that at this point. Like not even not even really one that I can really name. That's like your that's already special team guy right there. So I mean I think that that factors into it. But it's just it's you said you you've accepted the the first drive long drive i've accepted special teams being terrible for as long as i live now like that's just that's the way this is at this point i feel like <laughs> yeah when you're talking about laying integrity the, i forget which game it was there was like three or four games ago when they had a punt, gave up a punt return for touchdown there was like five guys in one lane when you're talking about laying integrity i don't think that's how it's drawn up <laughs> well, and against the Lions at the 75 yarder, there was a, uh, you know, you'd see there was, there was a, <laughs> the lane he ran through, it's like four guys on one and then one guy on the boundary or something like you just, it's all of the time, man. Yeah. Well, I know like New England in the past would always put out some of their core guys out on special teams. Is that something mm-hmm. that you could envision the Packers doing if things continue to struggle on special teams or are they just going to roll with the undrafted rookie free agents or you know, seventh round picks and throw them out there and hopefully they can make their mark. I mean, I think it's tough because when you start looking, especially like uh, your kickoff returns, you know, punt, punt returns a little less so, but kickoff returns, especially like if there's going to be a return and with Crosby's leg, there's usually a return or they're, they're, they're a pretty good chance of a return. That's such a, it's, it's such a violent thing. I mean, they've taken some of the violence out of that. You get rid of the wedge and all that, but it's still just large bodies running very fast other large bodies running fast. And so it's kind of one of those, like, do you want to put your guys out there that, yeah, helps with special teams, but now you're putting some of your top end guys in yet another position to be gassed. And if you're thinking of like, I know, like, I think of like someone that would be perfect on special teams as far as just his skill set, Jair Alexander. Well, if he's covering kickoff returns, that means he's got to get back out and play number one corner on the next drive. And so do you want, not only the potential of injury or do you want that exhaustion in there as well of he just ran down to cover a kick and now he's got to get back and play defense. So, I mean, I think uh, I, if it's struggle, let's say if it struggles, I, I think, you know, throwing a handful of guys out there is maybe not the worst idea in the world. Then again, they've not really been known for doing that. I can't imagine they're switching now. Um, and that's also, I mean, it's a chance. And then that sucks for some of the younger guys because then they, they, they get a chance to get out there and all those guys don't get a chance to make a roster. They make their name on special teams. And sometimes it takes a little while to catch on to that. So uh, I, I, I mean, there's, there's no way someone like Devontae Adams is going to be a gunner or something <laughs> with what he makes and as important he is to the team. So it's kind of a, who, who do we put on there? I, I don't think yeah. it's a bad idea. See colleges do that a lot. I know uh, Seahawks did that for, for a very long time. I don't know if they're still doing that. A lot of those like, like Cam Chancellor and Sherman and stuff were big kind of guys, but I, I just, I don't know if they're going to feel like going that route. And I don't know that I blame them. Well, and I, and I haven't really seen him play much since Kevin King, King came back. 
like, you know, Josh Jackson tends to be a sure tackler. Is he out there? Because mm-hmm. I don't really notice him if he's out there in kickoff coverage or punt coverage or not. Is he I'll be honest with you, man. I don't, like, I pay attention to special teams as much as, like, are there guys in lanes? But as far as who's out there, for the most part, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really looking at numbers. My week, <laughs> I pay attention to the offense because uh, yeah. that's what I got time to do. And so special teams is a, it's a, it's a, it's a passing fancy. I notice it when it happens, but I don't, I don't really like dig in too much to kind of who's out there, but yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think Jackson would be, if he's, if he's out there, if he's not a scratch, uh, worth a shot, I think. Yeah. I, you know, special teams tend to be one of those things that if you don't notice it, it's a good thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess question I have now, and I, I uh, work with a, a station in Milwaukee, and we had a Packer post game show, and one of the questions was, "What concerns you more, defense or special teams?" I just kind of wanted to bring that to you, like what what concerns you more moving into the playoffs, the defense or special teams? Uh, I think special teams. I mean, defense. You know, there's a tendency to, to – I know, and I do it as well. I mean, defense is, has not been great. Defense is not all that amazing. The way the offense is humming, they also – you know, they, they – uh, 24 points to the Lions, and, and one of those was a field goal off that long kick return. So that's more on special teams than defense. Uh, 16 to the Eagles, who granted, you know, apparently might be good now with Hurts out there. So you're welcome, Philly, I guess. But, uh, you know, 25 to the Bears, one of those was garbage time. So, I mean, you look at some of the numbers, and, like, the, some of the points they're giving up aren't much. They, they tend to – they tend to give up – long drives. And I do think they've tightened up. And some of that is, you know, I think Kiki's been coming on a little bit and Savage, they're kind of moving around. They got him in a role that he's in and come on, Martin's playing a little bit more. So I think uh, for defense, my, my view on defense at the moment is offense is offense is humming along pretty well. Uh, offense should be good unless they run into another speed bump like the Bucks, And even then, like, I, I feel like I feel good about where they are. So they're going to move the ball. I assume they're going to put up points. The defense doesn't not have to be locked down. It's kind of one of those, how do you evaluate defense? What do you want the defense to be right now? They're not going to be top 10 defense, but can they be like halfway decent? And then also make a few splash plays, like not a ton, but a few splash plays a game. I think, you know, that's the Savage sack at the end of the first half was a big one. Get an interception, uh, a couple sacks on third down, something make make them in the third and twenty or second and twenty or something like that. It's kind of one of those like they're not going to be great. It's it's an expectation thing, and so if they give up some yards, if they give up some points, fine. It's just make a couple splash plays. The one thing that does concern me with them is is red zone defense. I mean, Petten's whole thing is make you string together a long <laughs> a long drive, and then you stall out at some point because it's hard to execute for fourteen plays at a time. But I, and I've not looked at the numbers in the past couple of weeks. They were given up over seventy percent of touchdowns in, inside the red zone, which is not which. If your bend don't break and then you're breaking, that's a major issue. So what you do between the twenties, like I don't really care. But once you get into the red zone, like that needs to be tightened up for sure. And if they if they can't, that's that's definitely my biggest concern with them. And that was definitely something they did much better last season compared to this season. I still mm-hmm. for like and moving on quick to the next opponent, Carolina final drive of the game for Carolina. They get the ball inside the five-yard line, and they stuck McCaffrey, what, three plays in a row or two plays in a row on uh, first turnover on downs. And, yeah. you know, they, they – they, it's like it's a complete 180 from last year in regards to red zone defense. And speaking of Carolina, they're the next uh, team coming into, into Green Bay looking like no Christian McCaffrey again. Mm-hmm. Um, what Any – and I'm expecting a Packer victory. I really, I, I don't see Carolina, you know, Teddy Bridgewater being able to keep up with the Packer offense, um, come along like with the way the Packers offense is going. But any concerns in that game to you right now? 
Yeah, I always got concerns. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, no McCaffrey. Uh, Davis has been playing well. I think he had a rough game, but Davis has been filling that role nicely. Uh, you know, someone I know a lot of people, including me, kind of one of the Packers, Robbie Anderson's having a really nice season. DJ Moore's doing pretty well over there as well. Like, they've got – it's kind of one of those, like, the Packers should win this, but if the Packers get off to a slow start – and the Panthers hit some big stuff, kind of what kind of happens there. So they have, I think they've got, they've got four wins. They just got beat by the Broncos. So it's not like they're a scary team by any stretch of the imagination, but I always have this, you can, you can squint and see a path to victory. And so I can see, I mean, their path to victory would be a couple weird fluky three and outs for the Packers. Uh, and the, the Panthers do not have a very good defense, but uh, I think they're, you know, uh, 30th in the league or something right now by DVOA. Uh, they're not great. But if the Packers come out and have a couple, you know, three and outs in the early second half or somewhere in the middle of the first half or something like that, and the Panthers hit a couple big plays, they, they run a lot of stuff, a lot of short stuff with Robbie Anderson, and he's got speed for days. And if he just kind of you, – you see those sometimes. He gets a drag and just takes it to the house, and you could see – you can envision him doing that and breaking a couple tackles, and suddenly, you know, they're, they're up by two touchdowns. So I, I certainly think the Packers are going to win this, but I think there's – there's always cause for concern, like unless it's the Jets or something, I guess. I, I just hope we don't ever run into uh, linebacker covering Anderson across the middle of the field at all, like Michael Pittman uh, a couple of times. In the yeah. game where you have, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it was Barnes or Kirksley or what. I think it was Kirksley all of a sudden having to do one-on-one coverage on Pittman. His three guys went with one guy. So. Yeah, you had that. Yeah, it was that, um, I think, quarters coverage, and one of them kind of vacated deep zone, and I think Kirksey thought he had help over the top, and suddenly it was, oh, no, I think I think King ran ran to the middle, and he should have fallen down or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, not pretty. That was uh, – that was he. I don't even think Pittman was even running fast. He just kind of got the ball and kind of jogged to the end zone for 40 yards. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and really, like, anytime I see the Packers defense give up a huge play, it's normally because somebody on defense – as you're talking about ga- uh, lane integrity on uh, special teams, it's typically somebody on defense wasn't in the proper gap or didn't go to the proper place. Because I know there's that there was a third and 13, I want to say, the third and 12 that the coach converted a few weeks back. Well, Sullivan and King both went with one guy and they left the receiver. They caught it open and he was able to make the tackle. So just hopefully something that they continue to work on cleaning up. So. I'd hope so. Yeah. And I, I know you, you said offensively they're humming along. And I was kind of, you know, thought in my head, and I was curious about last year, Packers finished 13-3. and three. I think they're even 10-3 and three at this point last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. And the offense at times would look come out on fire, stall, and then late in the game end up, you know, figuring things out late. The offense seems to be a lot more fine-tuned this year, and part of it is Rodgers is obviously playing extremely high level, and offense, to me, it's very quarterback-friendly. You know, you look at Mm -hmm. quarterbacks that have had success running a similar offense. I think this is the first time a Hall of Famer has uh, ran this offense Um, because obviously Matt Ryan's not a Hall of Famer. Golf isn't a Hall of Famer. But Rodgers just gives you another dimension to it. I kind of want to get your thoughts on – similarities and differences between last two, what they did in this season, anything really stand out to you at all? I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's certainly stuff. I mean, and I think a lot of people talked about it last year, but you had last year was kind of a, it was a hybrid thing. It wasn't exactly what LaFleur wanted to do. He, he installed, um, you know, a lot of his stuff, but also made some concessions, some concessions based on uh, kind of what Rogers liked to do. And I mean, you still had some of the same, 
a lot of the same concepts in the NFL at this point. I mean, a lot of those passing concepts are the same. It's, it's how you run them, who you run them with, what you run them out of that kind of thing. So, I mean, and, and also, and, and kind of how often you're running certain things. So like last year you saw, you know, the play action bootleg is, is one of my favorite examples of this because play action bootleg is, the cornerstone of this offense it's it's and the reason it is it's tied so much to the run game you get it's this um especially the split zone where you see a lot you know the, the tight end generally coming under the line to black block the backside and then you've got the run it's it's outside or inside zone run and so that's i mean that's your zone running game that's the core run of this offense and i I'm not going to get into specifics on that, but that, that's generally what you're doing. So play action boot just plays off of that. So then you've got, instead of the split zone, the guy runs under the, under the formation, instead of blocking, he releases out the other side and you play fake. And since it looks exactly the same as all of your runs, those linebackers will bite up. And then the quarterback boots out the other way. So, I mean, that's, you know, staple of this offense of every offense I run the staple of this they're running PA boot and it depends you know I've seen them run it as many as eight or nine times a game um, they're generally running at least three or four because that's it's effective with what they're doing it's effective off the run game and it's especially effective with Rogers running that because he can make those off platform throws if someone crashes so that's this year they're running that a ton this year last year they were not running that as much because that was not quite as installed it wasn't as ingrained in the offense yet because they weren't quite ready to do that full install yet it was still this kind of half and half, half measure thing. So I think what we're seeing this year is that full thing. Again, a lot of this stuff will look similar, but it's how you're running, when you're running, who you're running it with. You've got this, um, you know, DeGuara, unfortunately, got injured in the first game. Uh, but you, you, they're finding these these kind of halfbacks everywhere, that kind of, you know, a third tight end slash fullback type of guy. I know Daphne's been the past couple of games and he's been fine. Um, but you've got, with, especially with Tanyan coming up now, you know, I was hoping Sternberger was kind of going to emerge and he hasn't done it yet. But with Tanyan instead of Graham, Tanyan is a better route runner he's more athletic he's also a better blocker than jimmy graham was so you can do stuff with him as well so you've got the ascendance of this this kind of second tight end this young guy coming up that you can do more of the um it would the phrase the illusion of complexity you're, you're you're selling the run you're making it look like one thing and do the other thing you can do that with the personnel you have now and so it's i mean there's multiple things but it's really the, it's the full offense they've got you've got the personnel to run it with and everyone's comfortable i mean rogers last year you could see him just thinking sometimes he's, he's got a clean pocket. He's got a guy in front of him. He's got a guy open and he just kind of bails on it. Uh, this year he's getting the ball out like faster than he has since uh, 2011, 2012, something like that. He's trusting what he's seeing. He's trusting the guys to be there and the guys are pretty much are getting open. And so then those guys are making plays like it's, he feels more comfortable. He's pulling that trigger quicker. He's got trust in the system. He's got faith that those guys are going to be where they're going to be because he understands that more. They all understand that a little more. So, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's a long answer. The short answer is it's the, the offense as LaFour wants it is fully ingrained. You've got the pieces to do that. You've got a comfort level with all the guys there now and everyone has bought in. So, I mean, I think it's, it's all of that stuff together, um, which, which is insane given how weird the off season was that all those guys have just in the span of a year, they've, they've installed now this full offense and everyone's just fully on board with it. It's, it's the way everything moves together. Um, it's it's really amazing to see and to see how everyone's bought in. It's just it's on a week to week basis, and especially now that they're unveiling more as the season's gone on, it's it's really impressive to watch. They're, they're humming at a level, and they're they're uh, they're scoring touchdowns at a higher level. For I think forty forty seven percent of their drives ended in a touchdown last year was twenty five percent. Like it's just they're operating at a much higher level than they were last year, and a lot of that I think is is just comfort with each other and comfort with the system. Um, you know, it just seems like any time there's a weird off season. I think the last time there was a weird offseason, you talked about the 2011 season, 
and that's if I'm not mistaken, whether the uh, the work stoppage and there was like a delay and you know like with OTAs and that due to a, uh, I don't know if it was a lockout. The, I think the owners locked the players out and the offense came out and dominated pretty much right off the bat. And same with this year, a weird off season. And so maybe with the Packers, they just got to have weird off seasons moving forward. <laughs> just sabotage a league in the off season and get a leg up on it. <laughs> um, playoffs, obviously a lock now for Green Bay. And just kind mm-hmm. of wrap up with this. Um, it's looking, you know, Rams are coming on strong. You know, looks like Breeze might actually be able to play this week against Kansas City, which I kind of doubt. But that's I can't. it's really hard to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's the rumor that he might even start because I know there's confusion. Like, not confusion, but questioning: Are they going to start Hayden yeah. Hill again, or should it be Winston? And then I heard earlier today that Breeze could play. Um, any team in particular in the NFC? that you can see could be kind of that speed bump. Because last year, obviously, it was the 49ers. They were just a bad matchup for Green Bay last year yeah. on both sides of the ball. Any team this year you see that can kind of be that speed bump? Uh, Rams. Yeah, Rams. Rams on the – I mean, it, I think it would be easy to say the Bucs just because we saw what they did. But the Rams the Rams scare me for a couple of reasons. The Rams have a very, very good defense. I think uh, by DVOA, I think they're second or third right now. Like just very, very good defense, just insane pass rush. Like they're, they're insane. But also and now I'm getting flashbacks to the Niners last year because you've got this, I mean, LaFleur is closer to Shanahan than he is to McVay. And he also, he's, he's his own man. He does his own thing, but he obviously came up with McVay. And so Shanahan or Shanahan knew what LaFleur wanted to do. I can kind of see, you can kind of see the same thing with McVay. So they got a really good defense. He's going up against a coach who knows him pretty well. That's like of all the teams, the NFC, that's the Rams are definitely a team that scares me the most. Um, if they get there, AFC-wise, obviously Chiefs scare everybody. But yeah. besides the Chiefs, is there anyone else in the AFC that really makes you say, I don't like this matchup? I mean, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see in a couple of weeks, man. Uh, Titans, you know, just because just the run game with Derrick Henry, if you can't really control the line, you're, it's really easy to just die early and often. So be curious to see how that, the, the week 16 matchup goes there, but you know, Titans are in that camp. I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, Steelers aren't looking as good, but the way the Steelers play, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very good defense and also all of their stuff. It's, <laughs> it's short throws, but it short throws the guys in space that can move and a missed tackle will kill you. And the Packers have issues with that missed tackle. So, I mean, I think the way the Steelers are, I think that does. And then, I mean, their defense doesn't really scare me too much, but uh, you know, if, if the Browns make it, uh, I guess the Browns are going to make it. I don't think they've clinched yet. Uh, that offense, I mean, we saw that this past week, that offense when it gets humming and that's based on run game and protecting Baker Mayfield, who has a ton of ability, but just hasn't quite clicked yet, but they've got two, uh, two insane running backs. They've got some talent on offense. So, I mean, I, I you can look, I was looking down, I was looking at this yesterday, the list of AFC teams in the hunt and like, all of those teams are scary. I mean, they're playoff teams. They all should be scary, I guess. But yeah, I think, yeah, those, those ones, those ones especially seem like bad matchups. And MVP. And I've been kind of uh, beating the drum that I think 2004 is the last time we had uh, a tie with Manning and McNair. I think that was 2004. And I've been pretty much saying if both Rogers and Mahomes continue to play at the level they are, probably going to see it again. And I think, to me, Rodgers pulled a slightly ahead of um, 
Mahomes this past Sunday with that, especially that negative 30 run that Mahomes had. Um, to me, it's those two, and then a very distant third and fourth would be Henry and Josh Allen, and it's not close at all to me between, you know, the next yeah. guys. Um, where do you see it going? Do you see the possibility of the voters just saying both these guys deserve it? Let's make, you know, basically ends in a tie, or do you see one, you know, edging up the other? I, I don't see the tie. I mean, it, like you said, it hasn't happened since, I think, like you said, I think it was 04. And then what was the, the last time was what? Was that 97? Was that Farvin Sanders? Yeah. Um, like it's, I, I can't see it. I mean, it's it's possible it could. I see, I see it more likely being a uh, one guy gets MVP, one guy gets offensive player on the year, just some kind of weirdness like that. But I don't, I don't see a dual MVP. Um, as far as the race itself, like, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I honestly don't, it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle much for me at this point. MVP, like the voting's so weird. Just I don't, I don't really trust the voters at this point to do anything. So the MVP doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, I think, like I said, based on like, just, if you look at strict numbers, I think Mahomes got the edge in yardage. Uh, Rogers has a slight edge in completion percentage and touchdowns and touchdown percentage and interception percentage after this past week. Rogers is has the nod there as well. So I mean, you've got. And I think by football outsider stuff, Mahomes has a lead by. DVOA and DYAR uh, kind of slight edge. So I mean, it's really, really close at this point. I was, I was very much on the, uh, I think Mahomes is going to win it. I think Mahomes should win it. Uh, and then after this past week, I was like, well, probably Rogers because why not? And also, I mean, just uh, you look at offensive talent on both sides of the ball. You've got, you know, Mahomes, it's been written about a thousand times. Mahomes not only has this perfect marriage with Andy Reid, but also has, you know, one of the fastest offenses in the league. They got a, you know, a high drafted running back this past year. And then Rogers, I have no issue with, with the tools. Yeah. I think he can have more weapons obviously, but you've got uh, Adams and then, you know, MVS is your deep guy and you've got uh, Jones who has, you know, been, been good, but you know, a little hampered a little bit this year. So, I mean, weapons wise, uh, Mahomes clearly has the edge there. So I'm, I, right now I'm kind of leaning Rogers, but I, as long as one of those guys gets it, uh, I, I, it doesn't really matter to me too much. (laughs) Yeah, and it's pretty much at this point, I think it's a done deal. It'll be one of those, too. Cause I, like, I would assume so, yeah. He goes on a complete tear, which he could a week from Sunday. Um, unless he goes <laughs> on a complete tear and pushes, uh, challenges 2,000 yards in a single season, I think he's the distant third. But yeah, I kind of scary to see him against the Packers, but also kind of intrigued at the same time because – Obviously, I don't get to see a lot of Titans games being in Wisconsin and, you know, receiving Wisconsin. I don't get a lot of Titans games even when, you know, CBS or whatever. So I'm, I kind of want to see him up close, but I kind of don't. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, honestly, for me too, I mean, it's been – it's it's interesting if you – I mean, well, some of these he's been up and so, by so much, but they really haven't been, like, gouged by the run. I guess the Colts got them. Um, and then obviously the, the Vikings a little bit, but they've held their own in that kind of run defense. They've been getting like, not amazing, but they've certainly improved over the past few weeks. I think, I think Kiki kind of coming up helps that a little bit. So it's kind of one of those, like, it's, it's a good test to see where they're at, see if they have improved while at the same time. I'm with you. I'm kind of, I'm kind of cringing at the same time. Like, do I want that test right now? <laughs> you bring up the, the Vikings. It's really like most of the, the big runs that, um, Cook had, and he's just a, he's, to me, he's just a, a rare beast in the, because the, the Vikings, to me, did a lot of zone stuff against the Packers, and Cook's the perfect back for it. Because he mm-hmm. could push um, one, you know, he could push, you know, put the strain on, you know, let's say C gap, 
and at the very last second cut back to a gap and everyone's already committed because oh he's going c gap there's no way he's coming back and mm -hmm. that, that's what pretty much happened with me because that's what i kind of observed a lot with a lot of his plays and then right out of the locker room kiki who's been coming on a lot much better lately he uh left his gap because he thought he had a sure tackle in the backfield and he didn't make the tackle so it's little things like that if they continue to work on and clean up i haven't seen as many of those errors in the past few weeks, except against the Bears and Montgomery. Uh, but I haven't seen a lot of those in the past few weeks, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think they've they've gotten better just from, like you said, the, kind of knowing what they're doing and then also some of those guys kind of coming up a little bit more. And I think with, uh, you know, Martin maybe playing a little bit more as well. You know, Barnes was playing a little bit earlier, and I think he's fine. But, you know, I think Martin's been playing a little bit better as well. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those, like, I, I think I think they're starting to get it. I don't think they're going to be again top ten defense by any stretch of the imagination, but they do seem like knock on wood that they're starting to get it up there as well. So hopefully they can at least like not be terrible. That's it's a low baseline, man. I just want them to like not be terrible. <laughs> Last year the defense came out kind of on fire, and then they after it's like they lost energy. Hopefully maybe it's the opposite this year. They come out really sluggish and not having much energy, and they pick it up to end the year. I, yeah. I'd be all for it, man. Be all for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, you know, I, I know you, you know, got a lot that you do. And I just want to thank you for taking some time to talk with me. If you just want to let listeners know once more where they can find your work, where they can find you on social media, if they want to find you there. Sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm again, I've got three articles a week, go up every single week. Uh, Packer report on Tuesdays, kind of a, a big offensive breakdown thing of like one or two plays. Got to try to, sometimes I'll get into the history of it. Same thing on Wednesdays. Uh, I kind of do a pressure package and I try to get into the history a little bit. And then uh, Wednesdays, 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 uh, my big piece over at Cheesehead TV where I look at uh, passing concepts. I'm trying to kind of group those a little bit so you can see like kind of how they evolve over the course of a year, how they evolve over the course of a game. And so those are my three big articles every week. I'm on the Wednesday edition of Packet A podcast with uh, Sarah Kelleher and Steve Perhatch, uh, and they're both amazing, and that's always a ton of fun. And then, uh, yeah, I'm on on Twitter. You can find me there, posting entirely too much sometimes um, at Dusty Evely. And I do, I I I mark, I mark up too many plays every week, and so every week I try I try to have a basically everything that doesn't make it in an article, I just dump into a Twitter thread, um, which, which I think seems to go over well. And it gives me a, gives me a way to kind of make sure I'm looking at every play on the offense and then also feel like I'm not doing it only for myself. So. I appreciate it. Cause I, it, I, I learn a lot uh, every week when you, you know, when you're, you know, doing the articles and posting the other stuff on Twitter. So I learn a lot every week. So I appreciate That's that. That's good. That's awesome. I am too. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, you know, hopefully we can, you know, talk again uh, later down the road. Yeah, for sure. Love to, man. And that was Dusty Everly. Thank you so much for coming on. Once again, you can find his work on Cheesehead TV, Pack-A-Date Podcast, or Packer Report, where he breaks down uh, some different plays throughout from the game. Uh, that's where you see his article in pack a day podcast, the podcast he does on Wednesday. So once again, thank you so much to Dusty for coming on and spending some time with me here tonight. Uh, moving on, you know, past couple of weeks, I've given my MVP power rankings. I did ask Dusty his thoughts on the MVP. And I, 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 you know, I, I'm still under the impression. I'm still have the thought that, I think we're going to see a tie eventually. Well, 
that's my thought was the past couple weeks. That how how good Rodgers and Mahomes were playing, I was thinking we're going to see a tie. I think Rodgers, to me, took the slight edge. Um, you know, I think he took the slight edge over Mahomes with his performance against the Lions, and Mahomes didn't have his best performance of the year, throwing three interceptions and having a negative 30-yard run, um, which is very un-Mahomes-like. But by power rankings there, I, I, I give Rodgers the slight edge now at this point. Um, next comment I want to just really quickly comment on, every Tuesday and Wednesday, you then uh, you, you see the NFL power rankings get revealed. And I just kind of want to give a couple of thoughts quick on the NFL power rankings. I'm not a fan. I don't like NFL power rankings. Um, you know, you got Pro Football Focus, ESPN, uh, Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report, you name them. They all have their own power rankings. Me personally, I don't like them. Really, at the end of the day, it's people like you and I, you know, journalists, but pretty much people like you and I determining who we think is the top team in the NFL or not. That's really what it comes down to. It's somebody's opinion. I can say the Packers are the best team in the NFL because they got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. The offense is the best in the league. The defense is doing just enough. Blah, 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 blah. And go on a tangent on why I think the Packers are the number one team in the NFL in my power rankings. Am I right? No. Am I wrong? No. Because it's, it's my opinion. And the way the Packers are playing. Now, if I were to say the Jets are the top team in the NFL, then obviously I'm wrong because there's no way I can even argue that. But, it, you know, when you're, you're arguing who the top team is, again, it's all a matter of opinions. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not a big power ranking guy. Never have been. And I, I don't see me being one in the future. So finally, since the NBA shut down in March because of COVID, through the, the restart of the season in the bubble, through the playoffs in the bubble, through the finals in the bubble, and since the finals, all you've seen anywhere and everywhere, national media-wise, Giannis is leaving. Giannis is going to leave. He should go to Miami. He's going to Miami. He should go to Dallas. He's going to Dallas. He should go to L.A. He should go to New York. He should go to Brooklyn. He should go here. He should go there. Well, those people, you got none to talk about now. Giannis staying in Milwaukee. He he signed the Supermax. Five-year, $228 million contract. Staying in Miami. I mean, staying in Milwaukee. Not going to Miami. And I've won... I strongly believed all along that he was not going anywhere. And partially it was because why would he go somewhere? Why? What, what, what's the purpose of him leaving? He's a very loyal guy. He, he's not your typical superstar. He's very he's loyal to a T. You know, he loves the city of Milwaukee. I've never had any reason to doubt him when he's talked about loving the city of Milwaukee. And I just, I never felt that he would leave. And at the end of the day, he doesn't, and he didn't. So... I don't want to sit here and say I told you so, but eh, you know, maybe you know, maybe you should uh, really think about you know what we know about him. And I know no one other than his immediate family and teammates truly know him, but what we've seen and what we've saw from Giannis, he wasn't going anywhere. You know, he 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 he's very loyal. And the Bucks are the team that brought him to this country. They're the team that brought his parents to this country, his brothers to this country. 
I think he he is still a a guy that is someone that remembers those type of things. You don't see it a lot anymore, but he's one of them that does. And then finally, the Packers will beat Carolina, I think, by double digits. I just don't think Carolina has enough defensively and offensively, especially without McCaffrey, to keep up with Aaron Rodgers and company. So Packers get the victory. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for Dusty for coming on and spending some time with me. Coach Evan 66 at gmail.com if you're interested in making some lifestyle changes and getting healthier. Otherwise, talking sports with Evan at gmail.com is the email for the show at Evan with Sports on Twitter. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day.